Hello, this is Stephen King. Well, sometimes that is better. Hi, Georgie. I'm your number one fan. Get busy living. Get busy dying. Here's Johnny. <laughs> Thank you for joining us again for another deep dive into the works of Stephen King. Thank you so much for all the positive feedback I had about uh, last month's interview with Mike Munzer from the Evolution of Horror podcast. It was the most feedback we've received on any episode so far, and um, I think it was well-deserved because Mike is a truly wonderful guest, and I really enjoyed speaking to him about The Dead Zone, so hopefully we'll be doing that again soon. Also, I'd like to give a shout-out to Fox Fang Books. You can find them on Etsy.com. They're an English-based uh, seller of horror literature, so it's all the best of James Herbert, it's Stephen King, it's uh, my favourite Graham Masterton, and it's uh, wonderful prices, wonderful customer service, and they wrap everything up in this beautiful black tissue paper. It's, it's always a pleasure to receive some of their books through the post, so please check out their website as soon as you can. Uh, finally, uh, finally, I'd like to give a shout out to the Elder Sign podcast. Again, it's a, another horror literature podcast, and each episode they deal with um, a short story or a novel by somebody like M.R. James, or they've covered Stephen King before, and it's a really interesting, academic, incisive take on uh, a genre I know that we all love, so please check them out. I'm going to be playing one of their trailers just before the interview today, so uh, enjoy that, and then like and subscribe to them, and of course, like and subscribe to us, and feel free to drop us a line the constant reader podcast at gmail.com cultists mad scientists ghosts and great old ones ancient aliens and non-euclidean geometry i'm glenn mcdormand host of elder sign a weird fiction podcast join me and my friend brandon buddha as we descend into the madness and mysteries of the masters of horror from hb lovecraft to edgar Allan poe and including thomas ligotti caitlin r kiernan and many many more together We'll investigate the horrors that lurk in the darkness of our own homes, the terror of an indifferent universe, and the fears that haunt us all. Listen to Elder Sign, a weird fiction podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. And come find us and our other book club podcasts on claytemplemedia.com. So hello and welcome back to the Constant Reader podcast with me, Richard Shepard. And today uh, we're doing something we don't normally do and look at a more recent Stephen King novel. It's 2014's Revival. It's a particular favourite of mine, mainly because it incorporates a lot of other writers. It's Stephen King paying homage to people like Arthur Machen, H.P. Lovecraft, Ray Bradbury and a lot of others beside. It's a story of Jamie Morton, a uh, young kid who meets the Reverend Charles Jacobs. And then uh, their lives become intertwined throughout the years as Jamie goes through uh, being a musician, being a drug addict, being a recovering drug addict, to being a producer, to being kind of a more fully rounded person. Whereas uh, the Reverend Jacobs has a bit more of a, a harder road. His wife and children die in a uh, road accident, shades of pet cemetery there. And then he becomes obsessed with electricity and the purposes and uses of electricity and the secret electricity, using it both to heal people and hurt people, and the consequences of that make for a very interesting conclusion to both their lives. And with me to talk about Revival is uh, academic and writer Helena Bacon. Hello, Helena. Hello. Welcome to the Constant Reader podcast. So I give all my guests a choice about kind of what to talk about. 
and uh, you've chosen revival, which I'm very happy about. But why to you revival? Why is that something you want to talk about? Um, I think um, I have a, a piece forthcoming about uh, King's use of or interest in electricity. Mm-hmm. Uh, so revival seems to me to be the kind of culmination of King's previous, perhaps more implicit or oblique interest in electricity and energy more generally. Um, so it features in The Shining and Doctor Sleep and then in Green Mile um, in sort of implicit and explicit ways. This is explicit. Mm. It's forefront in the narrative. It forms the kind of crux of the narrative. It's framed in this very ambiguous um, uh, way, which again, he has done previously, but it's it's um, the secret electricity that he's um, interested in, that Jacobs is interested in, is very much the sort of driving f- energy driving force of the narrative so um i've wanted to write about uh king and and lecky for a while um and this text um 2014 um seems to emphasize his interest in it oh it really does and when you talk about electricity and this book and also horror generally kind of the thing you come back to is always frankenstein because it's 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 kind of one of those um inextricable kind of things like Frankenstein, electricity, kind of it's alive, the bolts kind of shooting through it. And do you see a lot of kind of Mary Shelley to this? Because, I mean, you look at the, f- the first page, the dedication is dedicated to like Mary Shelley, Bram Stoker, Arthur Match and H.P. Lovecraft. But I think Mary Shelley is like the guiding force behind this one, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's why I found this so interesting. I have read some King texts. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly, I think this was one of the first I read where I hadn't seen the film first the film version first so <laughs> yeah. this is sort of um the kind of raw experience um and we can maybe talk about it's getting turned into a film definitely by in mike a, in a wee flanagan bit. yes a, mm. a safe pair of hands i think yeah <laughs> that's that's a nice way of putting it yeah <laughs> um i think king to me and this is what i'm going to write about in this this sort of forthcoming piece seems to me to be somewhere in in between the old romantic um, literary romantic sense of being enamoured with electricity, not really knowing what it does, what it's capable of, um, playing with it, etc. So the romantic literary period was when interest in electricity in its sort of physical sense was forming. So this is when Galvani was um, mm. experimenting, Volta with batteries, um, Franklin, Faraday. This is the sort of peak period of electricity and, and sort of wrangling with it and use, utilizing it and and finding uses for it. And then, of course, we get to Frankenstein yeah. um, in the sort of following decades and its um, embodiment in literature, um, most most clearly and most obviously um, and most sort of powerfully. And, you know, the, the reanimation. The, and I think electricity has this innately sort of it has an innate connection to horror because it's both immaterial and material yeah. so it has these sort of beautiful you know um effects it's you can't really pin it down it's a current it moves from atom to atom etc but also it has horrific or, or you know obvious physical outputs and manifestations so it burns it you know it, it can hurt people we've created whole infrastructures you know physical stuff that we use to move it about and to direct it, but it still kind of remains yeah, beyond it's, it's our fascinating. It's, it's one of those things that, like, we all know is, is dangerous, and yet we all rely upon it. We all surround ourselves by 
everything electrical it, and it kind of contains us and also like you say it has that element of an existential threat as well and like I say I, I think yeah Mary Shelley talks about the fact that one of the things that inspired her at Frankenstein was watching a, a tree get struck by lightning and seeing how it kind of both kind of kills the tree obviously because it's all the power but then makes it come alive as well kind of rise in this fire and this electricity and I love kind of the ambiguous nature of it as well and also because it's it's basically a tool that is used by Victor Frankenstein and Charles Jacobs Reverend Charlie Jacobs in this book as well it's kind of it's ambiguous how, how do you think Charlie Jacobs kind of uses the electricity or do you think it kind of uses him I'm not even sure that it, that King kind of gives it a, a, a directive or a, it's certainly present and it's, it's um, um, he's utilising it. But I don't think he's in control of it ever. We never get the sense that he exactly knows what he's doing. Mm. So when he, he cures um, uh, Jamie's brother, Con. Con, yeah. Yeah, um, with the sort of... Um, uh, it's like a belt round his neck. So yeah. he loses his voice and, and has to, Jacobs tries to, to get his voice back. He later says, like, I'm not really sure that that actually, it, you know, it does fix it. But Jacobs later says, I'm not sure actually that's what, it might have been a kind of placebo effect. Yeah, you know, they think it's like psychosomatic. Yeah. yeah, and that he knocked it up the very day he used it. Mm. So it seems, his, he says electricity is his hobby. And it does seem, th throughout the novel, even as we get to the kind of crazy ending, mm. um, that it's a kind of yeah a hobbyist sort of you know he's he's playing with it he doesn't really know what he's doing yeah um, which is why it's dangerous <laughs> it's, a, it's a kind of like the the guy who, who um, eventually kills Jacob's wife and kids it's this guy who has this kind of massive tractor and probably shouldn't be using it because I think he's epileptic isn't he has he? a seizure yeah. and it's it's kind of the same concept as that of like having all this power but then you know you, you probably shouldn't trust yourself with this much power because you know you're kind of fallible. You know something will go wrong eventually. And I think that's a very interesting way of looking at it, that Jacobs has this obsession but just doesn't know when to stop. You know? Yeah, and it's sort of framed... Because he's the, addicted, just like yeah, Jamie. he's he's yeah. Um, uh, obsession. We have you know people like obsession here and um, and fanaticism, mm. which ties into the kind of revival, you know, um, old spiritual um, faith element. Oh yeah. But all the, the he you know J Jacob's for all he's sort of wrangling with these great powers and and healing people. The setting itself never really gets beyond the kind of down at heel. It's always <laughs> like stuck in these sideshow, yeah. um, moving. Um, uh, locations you know he has this sort of little base where he plays with stuff I can't quite remember where it is if it's in Ohio or somewhere is that um, because he eventually ends up back where he started yeah they end up back at, in New uh, England yeah, Hilltop I think no, Skytop Skytop Hilltop's Walking Dead I think so. <laughs> <laughs> different horror yeah. yeah but he's got that kind of weird rundown old mansion that he's in as well which is a very gothic kind of place that he ends up yeah sort of the, the, the figure going mad you know playing with science rattling around his but it, it never sort of goes beyond these these fairly sh like shabby kind of confines and you know he, he uses it primarily until it really gets going to to mock up, you know, electrical portraits or um, mm. uh, portraits in lightning, lightning, I think yeah. they're called, um, that, you know, are a gimmick. Mm. Um, it's it's sort of a seedy or cheap um, use for something that then turns into something very dangerous. Mm. But, yeah, it seems to have this weird kind of, going back to the sort of romantics 
this weird sublime quality but then that's that's equally um sort of inversed or or alternated with alternated huh? hmm. um you know the the shabby very unglamorous sort of you that's know um, yeah. lives that both of them end up in you know jamie yeah. doesn't come off this any better really until the till the end no i don't think about jamie is he reaches rock bottom kind of realizes it and then well he gets help getting better but he is saved in a way in that kind of revival sense but it's interesting what you're saying about charlie jacobs kind of being on the out like the outskirts of everything i think that's quite an interesting point and i think that is because you know deep down it's it's said a couple of times that he actually despises people he hates humanity and that is the one thing that kind of keeps him going that kind of that bitterness like at the end all he can't his face is kind of struck in this sneer this constant sneer that he has this this hatred of people like right from the point where his wife and child die onwards and i, I think yeah because he never gets out of that um no, that he's. This is why he's, he's pursuing stuck. this, yeah. you know, um, the secret electricity to try and open this sort of portal between life and death, or to to kind of access the the dead, um, because he's lost in fairly horrific circumstances. His yeah, his let's small let's, let's talk about the ending. It's, it's a very it's a it's one of those ones that goes from like naught to a hundred very quickly, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> and you know, I love this book, but I I wasn't sure I hundred percent bought his motivation that he just wanted to see if there was an afterlife no because i mean he's so close to death already i think that's that's kind of part of it and also he's so convinced there isn't a god that he's so convinced i mean why doesn't he just assume it's just nothingness just nihilism why doesn't he kind of fall prey to that yeah except funny enough it's called the null the sort of the the world at the end so it's a null but there's some there's something there so it's this weird contradiction Um, it's not nothing no, it's definitely not nothing. <laughs> um, yeah, I I think I wonder why just to talk about the sort of like text reception, etc. Or, or it's a really bleak novel. Yeah. The king, like he's you know, there, there's normally some kind of good thing to kind of cling to, or some yeah. kind of redemption, or um, uh, reawakening. And and Jamie has that here. Like you said, he kind of um, sorts his life out. Mm. You know, people help him, etc. He gets a job. But know, that he... makes it so much worse, doesn't it? Because we're given this <laughs> yeah. guy who's like scraped his life out of the gutter, rebuilds himself, helps to kind of rebuild his family, and has this really beautiful relationship with music. I think that really kind of gives it the warmth that um, this novel has. And then at the end, it's like, now we're all going to die and go to the animal world and it's going to be dreadful. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I I think that's maybe, hopefully, why kind of, it's not a random event, this seems so so bleak. Like, this is a bleak text. Um, Yeah. It's. I mean, I think King himself described it as sort of bleak and nasty, or, or something to mm. that to that effect. Then I haven't come across m- much of his own commentary on this text. It sort of got released and swiftly. It's kind of a bit of an outlier in terms yeah. of King because it's like I said, it comes at a time when he's either finishing off the Dark Tower or he's writing the Mister Mercedes trilogy. Yeah, and so to write like a relatively short, nasty hard piece of real horror i think it's 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 really interesting that he writes it now i think you know yeah i i think it's maybe that's why the ending like you said seems so like it goes from naught to 100 it seems mm. so like curveball like oh we ha- <laughs> we thought we had a direction and now we're going yeah. over here <laughs> um so yeah jamie has this sort of redemptive experience he re- 
gain sort of access and integration with his family. So there's the little niece that seems to take a shine to him, mm. um, the baby, I think Cara or Carolyn. Carolyn, yeah. Carolyn. Um, and then after the kind of um, the, um, the, the ending, Jamie's left behind, but he's somehow horribly tainted. Like he looks fine, you know, he feels okay. Yeah. Um, but so he's not been sort of altered physically, et cetera, um, in the ways that other people are in this text. But the baby is horrified yeah. when she comes nearing him and she can't stand him. She can't bear to be around him. She cries. Um, so he's lost something. Mm. It's never kind of quantified or, or exactly qualified, but it's it's gone um, from him. It is a sense that he's been sort of, it's not robbed, but... Um, he's just missing something. Yeah, he's missing something and it's... and. It, he's in a way ended up like Jacobs in that sense that this this is a hole that needs filling etc that he he previously didn't have and that's been dug in him because of this Lovecraftian um, ant <laughs> something <laughs> ant <yeah>. world <laughs> um, this sort of weird cosmic horror that we have at the end of the the text I'm not sure when I first read it that I bought it I was sort of merrily reading along going yeah okay sideshow cult I was in I I, I literally picked it up because I liked the cover um, <laughs> and I was interested in American freak show histories and sure. carnival history and culture and, and I've written and it's got some good before. carny knowledge and good carny slang and can you, you yeah, learn a lot about no, the kind of that circuit um, yeah uh, he he creates that again, like kind of down at heel, um, transient um, quality really well. So it reminded me of of Carnival. I was writing mm. on Carnival, the Daniel Nalf show at yeah. the time. And um, Nightmare Rally. Have you read that one? I haven't. No, oh, no, I need good. to. Yeah. And and Geek Love and and mm -hmm. that kind of American folk folk kind of horror, you know, um, territory. Um, so I I I picked it up because I thought I'll probably like that, sure. you know. And I've read some King before. Um, that's almost sort of secondary to the it feels like to when you get to the ending you think you 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 know you have a fairly like this we've got another addict here yeah. jamie's another addict but he seems far less wretched than the the torrances sure um, oh god yeah 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 he's a, like you say he has a, a warmth and a likability and that comes through because i think because of the music thing and also because you get to see him experience like first love and how kind of that goes for him, and you can kind of really empathise with, you know, what happens to him. He's, 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 a, he's a, the first half of the book is a very beautifully written account of childhood, essentially, and I think that what that's what really works for the book. And I think that's why the ending seems so bizarre, actually, mm -hmm. uh, on the back of that, because yeah, you, you, as you're right, you, we have this this childhood, this this you know, he writes about teenage being a teenager really mm -hmm. well, um, uh, you know, experiencing first. Um, losing your virginity, electrical, uh, electric guitars, you know, all these sort of little symbols um, that kind of cohere around American yeah. you know, youth. Um, maybe not now, but when this was sort of set. Yeah, but like the first car and yeah. uh, the girlfriend. And, yeah, exactly. Little milestones that are um, well rendered and, and yeah, likeable. And, and Jamie's a likeable character. Even when he's an addict, he's still, as I said, less sort of... Yeah, you, you don't know, despise not, him. You really empathise with him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or even Dan Torrance at the sort of start of, of Dr. Sleep. Oh, yeah. He gets better. Mm. Um, so we have this, this you know, kind of like, you know, real life. Um, it's believable. Even the stuff with Jacob's immediate or first sort of dabbles in electricity mm. they're you know they're a hobbyist it seems harmless yeah he it's, it's very altruistic he's doing it for for the good he, he cures con's brother and he wants to 
you know, show people this is wonderful. Look at electricity. Look what it can do. But then, like you say, it's only after he loses his family that Jacob's going to really... Uh, it all goes horribly wrong. Horribly wrong. <laughs> horribly, <laughs> horribly wrong. Um, so, we, yeah, we have this, this sort of um, trajectory in the text. And then I, I remember sort of reading... I read it when it first came out, mm-hmm. um, reading it and thinking, okay, yeah, no, and this sort of stuff about the sideshow still works within those parameters. It's very much, again, all-American kind of culture. Um, and... Um, uh, you know, making a buck off kind of selling stuff on, you know. Um, and then at the very end, it's just, oh, oh crap, it works. <laughs> the secret electricity is real. Yeah. Um, we have a corpse here, Mary Fay, who then somehow becomes a portal to this null world full of ant overlords. Yeah. And it's like a Bosch painting or, a <laughs> you know, is. kind of Lovecraftian um, sort of monster horror. Um, and it does seem to come not completely out of nowhere, um, because we have this this sort of sense that this electricity is it's not malevolent, but it 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 does stuff it shouldn't and it harms. Um, it's that Lovecraftian thing about forbidden knowledge. It's about this stuff is out there, but you probably shouldn't go looking for it. Um, and obviously, he, Jacobs does. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we have the veneer of this. I, I think this is why it seems so pessimistic because we have this lovely this lovely story and you know Jamie's a likable character and Astrid and mm. um, it all seems it's not all rosy but it seems plausible and and fine True. and normal um, and then we have this veneer it's a veneer it's ripped, sort of ripped away um, or, or shocked away at the the very end. Um, uh, with these sort of scenes, etc., um, and luckily, kind of Jamie shuts it off. Um, I think he shoots. He shoots the, the body. Of body, Mary yeah, yeah, or mother, um, and kind of and s- cuts off the the connection. Mm-hmm. But he's it's too late. He's seen it, That's and it's thing, him. It? It's he that has to deal with it. Jacobs is dead, mm-hmm. so it's yeah, it's it's a gloomy, it's a gloomy novel. There is potentially, I, th- I think. A- not a hopeful interpretation, but a slightly less nihilistic interpretation that, I don't know if it's any comfort, that it, it's, it's only the people who have been affected by the secret electricity who go to the null. Cause okay. It's, I, I don't know if that's maybe a consideration, because I know um, I, uh, uh, Jamie sees um, Charlie's wife and kid there and sees like the other people who have kind of gone on before. So I, I don't know if that maybe that's that's a consideration. I mean, I, I, that's probably cold comfort, but you do get that idea that it's people who've been tainted by this. Hopefully, not everybody. No, I'm kind of curious about that because it, yeah, it would have to be not not just people who've been directly affected, but also somehow in, embroiled in in this. Because if it's his wife and son, yeah, they were you know, they killed, were killed or in anything a, in yeah. a in a crash. Um, in a really ho- horrible you know, piece of description. Yeah. Um, and if they're there, mm, I, I, I like <laughs> that. But I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of convinced that this is this is pessimistic. This is a sort of bleak. Um, that's what's waiting. Yeah. Uh, horrible though it is, um, sort of revelation. And he talks about Alpha and J- Jacob talks about sort of Alpha and Omega again yeah. in these um, sort of diatribes about energy and and connection etc that he he goes on um throughout the text so, yeah absolutely yeah i think but maybe that was why the the ending this text although you know it's newer it's only a few years old didn't kind of stick or didn't have the sort of presence 
that maybe like Gerald's game or, or, or even Mr. Mercedes has kind of had recently. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. It might get a revival hmm. mm. um, with the, the movie. Um, yeah. Do, do you think made. there's scope to make it a good film out of this? Because like we've talked about, it is very much a game of two halves. It is that beautiful, lyrical, up and down, real life first half. And then it is this extraordinarily esoteric and strange world that we have a look into in the second half. I, I kind of dread the fact that it might it might look a bit I mean giant ants. It's 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 a, it, 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 it works on the on the page. But Just <laughs> exactly. but then you kind of think, oh do I want to see like a, a giant ant hurting like a line of naked people into a into a chasm? And you kind of think, well, it might look a bit weird. <laughs> I not scary, just silly. I mean, I, that might be, it, it could look silly, yeah. <laughs> um, this is what I'm not sure about Mike Flanagan um, to, to, to kind of... I mean, I, I did like Doctor Sleep a great deal. As did I. I think it did something very clever in that it responded both to the 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 novel the the shining the uh, novel doctor sleep novel and the shining film it kind of Definitely. balanced those yeah. three um f- sort of scaffolds very nicely but in horror um, canon it's like it's 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 it was i think it was always considered the king novel and the kubrick film are kind of irreconcilable due to the reaction of kind of both men to the other's work but i think doctor sleep did a really good job of actually saying actually you can have both of these things yeah, it synthesized all of this sort of pre-existing material really nicely. The only thing I think was it was very I won't say sedate, that's that's not quite the right word, but very it, it was subdued. And Doctor Sleep is a more subdued text than The Shining. Um yes. and, but I find Mike Flanagan's work it's very glossy and it's very polished sure. and he he's very careful and considered, etc. This I'm not sure polished and glossy is really what's actually gonna <laughs> gonna get it onto screen because it's so odd mm. and so um, overblown at the end. And as I said, a lot of the settings are so shabby that, and that was one of the issues I had with Doctor Sleep. You know that the um, the secret knot is it the secret knot the secret knot the secret yeah. knot. Uh, you know they're sort of like carny folk. Yeah. Um, you know they're traveling around in in um, motorhomes and vans hidden and knot. whatever. Is it hidden, the hidden secret? Knot? I can't remember. Knot. Something oh, knot. Yeah. And you know they're sort of fairly shabby people yeah. again. They're you know there's Rose the Hat who's sort of the the leader. They're, there's this sort of transient quality to them. Um, you know they they have a kind of motley crew yeah. um, element. And there's also the element that they're, they're kind of dying out. I think they're kind of past their time slightly. Is it you know? Yeah, they're they're like a fading symbol almost of this American kind of transient culture. I think as well. Um, they're on their last legs um, culturally, literally, physically, etc. Sure. Um, and I think the the sort of um their need for steam mm. uh, to go back to energy uh, uh, for a second you know speaks to this this sort of dying culture um like you know we have yeah, more energy references here yeah. um uh with with steam and the consumption of it um as well um so i'm not convinced that flanagan is the man for the job i <laughs> I'd did love very much to see in... david lynch do it 
That's what I was going to say. <laughs> or s- some a filmmaker. I'm surprised it's going to be a film, to be honest, and not a series. And yeah, I, I haven't think... quite worked out why yeah. I'm surprised by that. Mm. Um, but so it needs to be a bit more garish, I think, than yeah. Flanagan's work, um, and a bit more. If it's going to get away with the the narrative that King's created, Flanagan is. He's too careful, I think. Mm. It's too... I mean, that was some of the issue that people had with Hill House. It was so glossy. It lacked the malevolence of of the original text. And then he obviously altered the, you know, the the walked alone to walk together. Yeah, I thought that was a little... Yeah. And I liked Blind Manor, but then the last episode was very, very, I thought, cheesy. I really... (laughs) Did you watch Blind Manor? Yeah, I have, yeah. Yeah, That last um, episode kind of spoiled it a lot for me. He's he's good at... (sighs) sad you know it sure, was yeah. sad um and and it was sort of heartfelt um and and you know rendered um sort of nicely in that way and i like the the, the episode 5 with um Tony Miller and the, the, oh, yeah. the time frames going that was back cool. and forward yeah, yeah, yeah. that was kind of fun mm. and messy and and what have you but it's so like he's obsessed with the sort of mechanisms of the ghosts like you know you can't go beyond this point and this is how you go through someone and this is how you know this this physically or doesn't yeah sort of immaterially works no i I like my uh kind of ghosts like mr james kind of ambiguous you're not quite sure what's going on there yeah Yeah. they're sort of halfway between material and immaterial um is it there is it is it not flanagan i don't think seems to be able to do ambiguity. Um, he wants his ghosts to be people. He wants them to be, you know, fleshed out. Exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, in in that sort of way. Um, so I'm, I I will watch it, obviously. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm I'm worried that it will be too um, reined in and too careful and too um, palatable mm-hmm. um, for a text that isn't really any of you know those things. It's this sort of fairly. Um, wacky um garish um old school you know old reference points um uh novel that doesn't really like look to the future and if it does it's it's you know it's scary it's not something you want to look towards it's interesting you should say that because i think even though it was written i think 2013 released 2014 a lot of it does feel like a period piece because there are things in there like the traveling carney show like tent revivals like even like recording cds and things like that which do seem kind of kind of dated and i know it's meant to go through like 50 years of jamie's life but it often seems like when they mention like um the internet or googling it does seem quite strange doesn't it it's like oh okay are we actually in this period now it's kind of odd yeah i think that sort of ties in with the this sort of weird focus on on electricity because it still seems to frame electricity as this like oh it's it's magic yeah. you know it's it's <laughs> um yes it's something that we're we're using um but it's seemingly kind of um like hokey still in its sort of you know references to the future or to its present so i think is it, is it in the 90s the sort of latter part of the I think so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So it, it does feel a bit like a period piece. And again, to go back to the sort of filming aspect, I would worry that that wouldn't be captured. Yeah. Um, um, with a particular sort of. Um, yeah, because it's like the the dying age of the carnival is the dying age of the tent revival. I mean, 
probably if it was updated now, it'd be like he'd have a mega church. He'd have one of those kind of big Joel Osteen type um, arena churches or something. He'd be online now. Well, yeah, he? exactly. He'd be, <laughs> he'd be um, kind of uh, preaching through through um, Zoom or what have you. <laughs> yeah. But I think I wonder if that's why this feels more kind of dated now. It's because we've moved over into this very visual kind of um, culture, whereas this is still set when I think stuff like you know satellite use and um uh electricity and, and other forms of communication and energy etc still mm. seem kind of novel yeah um and it's you know it throws back to various sort of older structures so there's a there's a um, character called kathy morse mm. like t- samuel morse telegraph poles etc yeah, yeah, yeah it's these sort of it uh, this is why i was sort of wondering if king in his fascination with electricity it does seem stuck between this weird romantic sort of love and awe and and kind of fear of it and also um and and with an eye to the future america's involvement in energy and fuel and power etc is is harmful he seems sort of with one foot you know in looking back and one foot kind of looking forward yeah um and it's this weird, ambiguous sort of take on on power. Um, which is also the nature of addiction, which is, again, another strong theme in the book, the idea of something we need that eventually kills us or something that we have to have that is bad for us in the same way that, you know, Jamie's on heroin, Charlie's on revenge and hatred and other people, like, they're recovering addicts and, they're you know, they drink too much. And I like that idea that we all have these spaces in our lives that need the the null in our lives that kind of needs that feeling but we can't really do it you know yeah it's it's always out of out of reach i mean to go back to to um the shining briefly i mean jack um talks about this is this is sort of what what i found interesting because it's there in you know as early as the shining jack frames his addiction often in terms of or he thinks about his world in terms of uh, power infrastructures Um, as well as power, you know, immaterial. So he talks about the circuit breakers in his head being off, or he talks about... Um, uh, he It's full of these sort of references to motors and mechanisms. So yeah. there's, like, the skidoo, and he thinks that's sort of an ugly symbol of, like, modernity. Yeah. And the wasps seem like they're little mechanised fuel things as opposed to, like, a natural creature. Yeah. Um, and even something like, I mean, it's called The Shining. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it, people shine. And there seems even then to be this, this imbument of, it's not just sort of ghosty shine, you know, magic stuff. It's like an energy. Mm-hmm. So Danny possesses, and even Jack a little, possesses an energy that the Overlook is intent on extracting. Yeah. So The Shining is a, is a fuel for the hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously causes chaos and and it's it's ultimately the sort of means of the hotel's destruction yeah and there's to think stuff even with horace derwent and like energy companies or oil companies etc so it's this sort of interest in fuel in an american culture and how this stuff is sort of interlinked absolutely and damaging yeah. is is there even then um, interesting yeah and, and morton's family they, they make their money in, in heating oil, heating oil which is quite an interesting idea of like the heat and the light but it's also something you have to get it's something you have to kind of procure that oil from the from the ground i assume i, I don't know where you get heating oil from but 
It's idea, <laughs> like, like deliver it in big. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's like it's a it's a physical thing. So if you've if you've had like where I used to live had an oil um, uh, boiler, mm-hmm. so you'd have to have it delivered, and it you know you get it on your hands, and it's a very kind of like material substance. Absolutely. Um, whereas electricity is. You know, obviously yeah, you switch, it, switch something on and it yeah. disappears. So it's it's this sort of modernity um, writ large. Um, but yeah, it just seems to be he's sort of framing, you know, energy, etc. Even as far back as The Shining is this sort of something that we, we take out of stuff, yeah. you know, and we deplete. Um, so it's it. there's a sort of eye towards, you know, current concerns about climate and and fuel and stuff it's never that that side of things is never explicitly kind of rendered but it's certainly there i think um and then obviously you have the green mile with the electric chair so the kind of one of the culminations of the romantic period interest in electricity is the chair Mm -hmm. and all the horrible sort of symbols again of american culture or one aspect of it um and a very physical thing um that people are strapped into and dispatched um and that is um, put on display in Chicago, eighteen ninety three, the World's Fair, along with the sort of big Westinghouse like electric light yeah. show. So you have two halves of the the electrical kind of coin there, the the sublime and the the awful. Um, and it seems that these texts and revival, as I said, makes this explicit. Seems to cohere around this weird dichotomy of electricity being something that's amazing and also you shouldn't play with it. <laughs> yeah, it's also the idea of like the, the quick fix, like instead of actually going through cold turkey or rehab or something like that, Jamie is is, is not an addict within the space of an hour. He, he blacks out and he doesn't want heroin ever again. And it's the idea of like the cure as well, that it can be something that's just done immediately rather than actually working towards it. And I think that's another kind of constant theme in King's books is the idea of you can't take any shortcuts. You know, it's like pet cemetery. You can't just bring your family back. You actually have to grieve for them and you have to let them go at some point. And I think that's definitely present in revival too. The idea of, like I say, you can't just switch on a so switch on a light and expect light to come out. You have to understand it. You have to appreciate what's actually going on here. And that's what Jacobs doesn't do. He doesn't understand. He just cures people without thinking. Is there any side effect? What's the harm here? You know. He's unearned in a way. The, yeah. yeah, he's he's not gone through. And I think that's another interesting thing about the text itself and maybe why it was sort of an, an odd one because it doesn't... King doesn't really try to explain how the secret electricity works no. per se. It's yeah. just there. Exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> and you kind of find that he's... Jacobs has somehow discovered how to how to access the, the null without the kind of due process, um, you know, and kind of going it might not be very interesting to read but like you know this is how it works and so it, it retains that kind of magical quality yeah like you say when he cures con he just comes up with the idea on the day and says well what if i put a battery in this belt and then just put it on your neck and it's just the idea of like it just comes to him it's just a doodad yeah exactly he, yeah, he doesn't really know <laughs> too much about these things he's just like, yeah let's do that let's try that let's see if this works you know it's uh and horribly it keeps working yeah, exactly so it, yeah. it sort of snowballs into this 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 sort of massive thing because this the first things he makes are just sort of fairly banal cute yeah you've um, got the christ walking on water kind of thing, electric, jesus. electric jesus electric yeah. jesus <laughs> yeah there's um the sort of diorama um with lake pleasant or something like peaceable that. lake peaceable, peaceable lake, lake. Was it, yeah. um and then the jacob's ladder with the sort of lights etc the, yeah. the colors and, and whatnot and then he, he makes the sort of the the curative belt, for, the belt for yeah. um but then they seem i suppose in the novel's beginning you know 
cute and, and harmless and um you know they entertain the children don't they the yeah and you kind of for sunday school you want the belt to work because you know how sad it's made his parents and you kind of you really oh god hopefully he gets a cure and hopefully it's going to be i guess it's almost dickensian isn't it yeah. <laughs> this poor voiceless child exactly his parents are arguing thing. and uh, yeah <laughs> and they can't afford obviously um proper therapy because of the the market involved in selling heating oil exactly. so if you have a warm winter then you can't yeah. you can't afford to you know you don't make enough money and you can't afford to get a, a proper doctor for your kid again because it seems like a quick fix you buy this business and you become rich but no you don't because then you have to make a decision about you know curing your child or you know getting rich it's because the market's fluctuated in this oh it's yeah. heartbreaking <laughs> and the, the, the way he describes the mother and the father and his brothers and sisters is heartbreaking as well his sister as well who kind of just dies this meaningless death off screen about a third of the way through the book and it's just oh <laughs> <laughs> again not the cheery not the cheeriest um no yeah, and then the ending the just says oh by the way uh, none of that actually means anything family means nothing you know any relationships you have with people means nothing because you're <laughs> you're going to the ant planet to work in the mines it's like you know, <laughs> the <like>. ant planet <laughs> <laughs> that's a sequel it's life on the ant planet yeah. again i'd probably read that <laughs> I was gonna say I'd read. have you read any uh, arthur matchen i haven't no i'm afraid no because it's a very uh, this book, I think, was heavily influenced by his short story, The Great God Pan, which is a very I've heard of it. Yep. odd, avant-garde short story that's divided up into sections that you have to kind of put together as a whole to actually make sense of it. But in the first section, um, a scientist um, invites a friend of his around to help him in an experiment where he removes a part of this woman's brain, uh, who's also called Mary, that in the in the in the hope that she'll. Um, be able to see the world beyond the world we see and it goes of course it goes horribly wrong it, it absolutely goes horribly wrong but when you read that there are some great parallels between that and revival so i recommend anybody who's read revival to read the great god pan as well because it's definitely as king himself said it was a big influence and said it i think he said it was the scariest short story he's ever read so i, I recommend that one very highly so before we uh, wrap it up, anything else you want to say about revival? Did did you find uh, did you find the, uh, the the bit where he jumps into bed with the uh, the young girl was that uh, was that uh, believable to you, or do you think that's a bit of like uh, old white writer guy uh, kind of wish fulfillment? Yeah, I'm never really sure what to make of kind of king <laughs> <laughs> king and and sort of um, relationships and 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 that kind of thing. Like he's, I don't know if it's just um, again. Like you have Danny Torrance at the start of Doctor Sleep, sort of in bed with someone. Yeah, it's, just, yeah. it's I don't know. I'm I'm not sure it really matters that much in terms of. I think if they weren't sleeping together, it wouldn't have made a big difference to the. No, book. It, it it didn't seem particularly sort of compelling or necessary <laughs> or. Um, I, I'm not really sure she she didn't probably need to be in it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, she could have been in it just. Just, just doing her just job, googling stuff, <laughs> doing research, and she always "Oh yeah, you know that guy he killed? Yeah, he's, he's killed himself. Yeah." Yeah, okay. I'm not really sure what what King is trying to do. Is it trying to make Jamie more human or more more fallible, or has he has he still got it? Like I, I'm, yeah. Um, or it's a reward for kind of straightening his life out. I guess I don't know. It's like you're still attractive to women half your age. It's it's a good thing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. Um, I I don't think that has a sort of wider wider function because he still has this sort of interest in like Astrid anyway. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. There's, there's a, Who's there's now a, a lesbian sense. though? So yeah. 
tough luck. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's a sense that these connections, the these early connections are, are sort of what sticks. Sure. Um, and I'm not quite sure, it's a half-formed thought, but that, you know, your first or your early relationships um, are the ones that, that last that connectivity yeah. um, is the one the sort of stuff that sticks so Jacob's you know Jacob was a young man when he loses his wife and child sure. if stuff had gone better or he hadn't been obsessed with secret electricity then you know he might have been able to to grieve like you said and go through the process move on properly mm. and, and start again but he 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 can't he won't you know yeah. he's it's he's stuck in that moment and trying to access these people um not just you know emotionally or in in memory, but like literally, actually, he's actually yeah, access, access them, yeah. and then obviously he does. Um, and Jamie, it just seems like time filler. Like he's you know he's <laughs> sort of stuck because of his addiction, or not because of it, but that's the sort of uh, symptom of mm. it. He's stuck in this this early period, you know, yeah. um, and never quite seems to his his life doesn't become anything. Yeah. Um, and it's the sort of cliche, you know, it's, it's just sort of, um, you know, life kind of wasted. So I, I'm i not sure if it's suggesting that, you know, or it's amplifying the fact that, yeah, he's not let go and Jacobs hasn't let go of the, the past. Um, or if it's just, oh, that'd be nice. Put I'll write that in, in there. Yeah, yeah put some sex in. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not convinced about King and like sexy. <laughs> it's, not, it's not sexy stuff. But um, yeah, it's just doesn't work and i think that's partly one of the things i quite liked about dr sleep actually that it was more about the i think he writes familiar relationships and parent child relationships perhaps better yes. than the yeah. romantic relationships or sexual relationships so uh dan has a, a paternal relationship with abro and dr sleep and that was really nicely rendered and not creepy and it was fine and and what have you um and it's not sort of like bothered, you know, by King trying to crowbar sure, sexual yeah. relationships into there. So uh, that was a very long-winded answer. Sorry. No, um, no, no, I appreciate that. I Thank find you. it unconvincing. <laughs> <laughs> so a question I ask uh, all my guests: two questions. Um, firstly, uh, what are you reading at the moment? And secondly, can you uh, recommend a, a book or a film or that you think uh, more people should be reading? I am currently reading a collection of short stories. And the author's name escapes me, which is really bad. <laughs> it's called Battleborn. It's just come out. And their short story set in and around Nevada, okay. which tends to have been an area not really examined, I mm. think, um, off the top of my head in, in literature. Um, I can only think of like fear and loathing in Las Vegas. Yeah, that's yeah. the... the <laughs> um, and, and stuff tends to only here around Las Vegas. It doesn't go out into the, the rest of the state. So it's um, a sequence of short stories that take it sort of us back and forth um, from um, gold mining histories and, and um, payloads, etc., through to contemporary times um, via Charles Manson, via the A-bomb, um, Los Alamos. Yeah. So it's sort of um, the, the whole text is imbued with the, this sort of... Um, really um dynamic often dangerous often quite scuzzy um history of that state in particular yeah, yeah, that yeah, tends to be overlooked politically culturally you know it's passed off as sort of you know just las vegas tacky very cool um again lights shining lights <laughs> um uh and the kind of great electric you know sublime um 
that's going to bug me. Yeah, I can't remember the author's name. <laughs> that's I'm all sorry. What's it called? Battleborn. Battleborn. Look um, it up. Yeah, I'm not quite sure why it's called that. I still have two more stories in it to read. Um, so don't let the name put you off. Sure, the sure, name doesn't sure. actually seem to cohere much to the, okay. to the content. Um, uh, that is, it's they're really well rendered. Again, quite pessimistic. <laughs> um, there's a theme here. Um, short stories. Okay, and what about a, a, a favorite book that you'd recommend to anybody, or like a a, bit, a, a kind of a, an underdog you think should be better appreciated? I should have thought of something. <laughs> Sorry. I'm trying to think of what I've seen recently. Yeah. Go for it. Um, it's actually I read this, reread this recently. It's um, kind of off the the back of this. Is a young adult gothic fiction text called The Haunting of Elizabeth Cray. I like the title. And it's like Lovecraft for teens. Okay. So it's um, it's a good, like I read it when I was like a child. So <laughs> um, it is that old now. Um, he, it's Chris Wooding. Um, and it was, again, one of these things that was supposed to be turned into a big movie. Someone uh, bought the rights. Um, it was quite big at the time. I think it won um, the, like the Smarties Award when that was a thing for, for children's writing. Um, and it's set in London in a in a London sort of quasi-Victorian full of um, monsters that have been unleashed on the city because obviously some dodgy cult has been messing around with the ancient ones um, in Chris Wooding's sort of um, Victorian universe. So um, the, the cover has this kind of Cthulhu-esque like tentacled nice. monster um, kind of hovering in this circle over the city. Um, uh, the sort of central characters are a monster hunter who mm -hmm. finds Elizabeth Cray, the the main kind of protagonist, um, uh, just abandoned somewhere, um, and they have to try and piece together what's happened to her and where she's come from and the sort of sacrificial stuff. Um, as I said, Cthulhu-esque monsters, um, all of the gothic kind of tropes in one <laughs> in one um, young adult fiction book. Um, I read it recently for outreach purposes, so mm -hmm. I do sometimes outreach workshops with. Um, school children um, so it's quite useful for it's not too gory no, um, okay. though it was quite full on when you know when you sort of when you're a kid when yeah. you're about 10 um, <laughs> uh, but it's just kind of been forgotten and I think that's really it's a shame because I think it holds up now and he is a, a gothic or horror writer for young adults holds up but he seemed to correct me if I'm wrong you know but he seemed to disappear as an author um, after writing some really quite solid gothic fairy tale um material so yeah if you like lovecraft if you like the idea of the ant monsters or cthulhu you know rising up um then the haunting of elizabeth cray thank you very much uh, thank you for joining us today helena bacon it's been an absolute pleasure thank you. and we'll see you all again uh, next month if you have any questions comments criticisms write to us at the constant reader podcast at gmail.com and also uh write review subscribe rate and generally spread the word about the podcast wherever you can. Thank you very much. We'll see you all again soon. Goodbye.